Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Locked On Canadians, where the Habs have won back-to-back games for the first time all season. Andrew Hammond has won a game for the first time in four years, and it is the return of three up and three down once again. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, hello, hello, and welcome to episode 556 of Locked On Canadians. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online as you cover the season with more props, odds, lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. And as always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day every single day. You can subscribe to watch us here on YouTube, or you can check us out wherever you get your podcast free every single day of the week. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metla, and I am joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. Laura, the Canadians have won back-to-back games, somehow improbably against all odds, and seem to be fun again how are we feeling going into what is a victory Monday and a showdown against the Maple Leafs? I think I'm in my feelings. I mean, ever since Martin St. Louis joined the team, <laughs> I've been in my feelings. We got Vinny. Uh, we got, we got, uh, now I can't remember his name. Andrew the Hammond. <laughs> no, <laughs> the European scout that, that was previously, that previously worked with the Rangers. Um, and uh, I should have written this down because we did say on, on Friday, we did say we were going to talk about the Vinny hiring and what he's going to do. We're going to talk about that in our later segment. Uh, we're going to talk about the game today. And I, I really feel that it like everybody on this team seems to have a new lease on life. You know, they knew they were going in for a rebuild. They knew they were going in, you know, they're tanking and, and all of that. But their mannerisms and their body language has changed. They're still doing the same things, but they're playing better. I mean, they're still, the, the overall plan is the same. I should be clear. They're not doing the same things. They're doing different things. They're playing better. Their, their demeanor is more relaxed. They seem happier. We're getting fun things to be excited about as fans. And that's why, you know, I feel like I've been in my feelings since Martin St. Louis joined the team. And, you know, I mean, what about this isn't a great story? Cole Caulfield being able to bring his game back. Andrew Hammond winning for the first time in four years. I mean, everything is a great story. We still want that top draft pick. Don't, don't, don't get us wrong. But, you know, this part of the season, this part of the rebuild is so much more fun than the direction that they were headed in just two weeks ago. Like, it's only been 11 days. And I think that's the amazing part is they played the Islanders, who are a very staunch defensive team. That's always been their thing. Even if they can't score goals, they make it so you can't score goals. And they came out and they played about as strong a game as you could expect against the Islanders. The Islanders likely aren't making the playoffs this year due to kind of a poor start, which Canadians fans know how that goes. But there were a really good measuring stick to see where this team is at, and Cole Caulfield looked incredible. He took a big hit in the first, bounced up, was no worse for wear, and was dominant out there on the ice. His line with Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson, hey guys, it's Josh, were phenomenal. <laughs> and Anderson had one of the filthiest goals I've ever seen. He's along the goal line and just roofed it in a space about this wide, over Ilya Sorokin's shoulder, the team seems to have come together and they gave up a late goal, you know, which you could feel was coming. The Islanders were pressing, they were pressing, and that didn't deter them from still trying. They might have been a little bit overmatched in terms of skill. The Islanders are still a good team, regardless of what the record says. Like I've said before, 
And what stood out to me in this game more than anything else is they went into overtime. They rolled out Caulfield, Suzuki, and Petrie, and they followed that up with Ben Sherratt, Rem Pitlick, and Mike Hoffman. And instead of when the play exited the zone, we saw defensive back checking and play from Mike Hoffman, not once, but twice. He broke up a play along the wall and then through the neutral zone, Mike Hoffman laid out to knock a puck away from an Islander streaking in for it and broke up what would have been a breakaway attempt on Andrew Hammond there. And I don't know if it's Martin St. Louis coaching, if it's just his presence, if the guys just give a crap now, but this was a different team. We've seen them play in overtime where they're cautious and they try not to lose in this one. They might've lost. And I thought they were going to when they didn't score early on, (laughs) but they tried and the efforts there. And that's all I can ask for them. And then they went to a shootout and they won it. Andrew Hammond helped them win in the shootout. He had two big saves. Caulfield and Rem Pitlick had absolutely disgusting shootout goals. It's like you said, it's hard to not really enjoy what this team did in this game and their win over the St. Louis Blues there. And I'm hoping they get Marty a win in regulation here soon because everything's coming together. We can see what they want to do and they have another tough test ahead of them that they played a good playoff team from the Western Conference. They played a good defensive team. Now they got to play a team that has offensive firepower for days in the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's not going to be easy. It's on a back-to-back. I'm really curious to see. With travel. With travel to Toronto, no less. I'm very curious to see uh, how the Canadians stack up. If they don't win, it's not the end of the world. But I'm hoping we can at least see that effort level be kept up in this game. Uh, I think they might surprise Toronto a little bit. We know how Leaf this Leaf team can kind of be wobbled if you catch them off guard. They got to figure Toronto's got to be ready for this. They've been looking forward to every game against the Habs this year, honestly. I don't even mind a loss so long as Ben Sherrod plays amazing in front of Kyle Dubas and Toronto trades for him. I've even said that Montreal should retain all of Ben Sherrod's salary if only Toronto will take him. <laughs> I, I mean... Yeah. And, and the funny part is they made that trade for Ilya Labushkin last night and I went, well, the Ben Chirot dream was nice. Time to turn my attention to suggesting other teams that can trade for Ben Chirot that would be annoying to people. And before we uh, delve into anything else, I do have to say that, yeah, Ben Chirot played really well today. And I don't mean that sarcastically like he played well for Ben Chirot. No, Ben Chirot was the steady. Legitimately defense. playing well. Yeah, he was the steady defensive defenseman that he's marketed as. And I hope every GM, including Joe Sackick, who was sitting there watching that game, went, that man is worth more than a first-round pick. Yes, please. (laughs) Don't look at the rest of the season or the sample size. Just look at that one game that you personally watched because he will be that good every single game for you now. Please trade for Ben Chirot. Hashtag trade for Ben Chirot. Trademark LockedOnCanadians at Twitter.com. But... It's good to get wins. It's good to have this team be fun again. It's it, Watching Cole Caulfield play, it's like last year. He's zipping around the ice like a toddler on jacked up on Mountain Dew. And that's the Cole And Caulfield. pixie sticks. And pixie sticks. It's the team <laughs> you want to see out there. And even when someone's struggling, someone is there to pick up the slack a little bit. And honestly, I don't care if they lose. If they play like they did the past two games. Make me Let me see the effort. And that's really all I'm looking forward to. And as we did promise, we are going to talk about the hire of Vincent LeCavalier and Nick Bobrov to the European or the amateur scouting staff. I believe he's covering Europe coming up in our next segment. But 
One of our sponsors of the show today is Built Bar. And if you have followed this show, you absolutely know that we love Built Bar here. They're great in the morning on your way to work, when you need one after your workout to help with recovery, or you just want a snack throughout the day, Built Bar has you covered. And if you tried the Built Bar Puffs, they're marshmallow, they're covered in chocolate, they are amazing. They're low calorie, low sugar, low carb, and extremely high in protein. They are everything you want in your protein bar, and they have flavors for everyone, including some new ones, including cinnamony, churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, something for everyone. And if you go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, you're going to get 15% off your order. So go there, check it out, find out what flavors you like, get a sampler box, use promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% on your order. So we did mean to talk about this. I um, I had forgotten about this because this weekend was full of actual fun, enjoyable hockey. The Montreal Canadiens have finally acquired Vincent LeCavalier. It's been almost two decades at this point <laughs> since we've been trying. So uh, he is an, a special advisor to the GM, I believe. And then they also hired Nick Bobrov to help with the amateur scouting, which is currently being headed up by Martin Lapointe. Uh, so now they're like co-in charge. Yes, they are assistants to the head of amateur scout or whatnot. <laughs> so they are filling things out here. And our good friend, Ian Boisvert, who he has his own show called The Build, and you should go check that out about how the Canadians can manage their rebuild. He brought up a good point that he's like, these are things that I, I can wait and see what the plan is with that. They've earned that trust so far. But Jeff Molson did promise more diverse hires and that, I still want to hold them to that. Yes, I like the hiring of Ken Hughes. Yes, I think bringing in Vincent LeCavalier is a smart move for the front office. The jury is out on Bobrov because Rangers fans were not the biggest fans of his European scouting work, but there's so much more that can be delved into that that maybe I don't know as a Habs fan who hasn't paid attention to the Rangers franchise. I do still want to hold the Canadians accountable for what they said in that we're going to have a diverse team here. We've seen... The Canucks do it when they hired Emily Castonghi and they hired Rachel Dory to their staff. I want to see that, and then and then Cami Granado. Ah, yes, I exactly. They've made <laughs> they've done what the Canadians said they were going to do, and I am hoping that there is a plan in place here. And my theory, and this is just a theory, this isn't confirmed on anything, is that they're going to get through the trade deadline. They're going to see what they're doing in terms of picks or, or uh, prospects, and then they're going to hire in the AGM and everything and get ready for their drafting uh, protocol and what they're going to do in terms of the NHL draft. And that's, we're going to get the AGM more advisors, people added to the scouting staff. At least that's my hope. But for right now, I think hiring Vincent LeCavalier, who has been, who was in the NHL for what, 10, 15 years is a really smart hire. Someone who like Martin St. Louis is, yeah, he doesn't have the experience, but at the same time, he has a knowledge of how the game works and can see things he has his contacts and knows how to work and manage the games there. And I don't know if I'm off base with that and I'm just wishful thinking and hoping this works or if this is uh, what the general mood around the fan base is. I think it's, it's interesting and exciting because you brought up two really, really good points. The first thing that I was also very hesitant about is um, 
Bobrov's drafting record, right? Somebody did an analysis and it's very hit or miss. And uh, I will tell the listeners, we've already reached out to a bunch of people who are draft experts. Uh, we'll be having them on our show in our coming weeks. Uh, I just really wanted us to sort of get through this period of transition that the Habs are kind of doing. And and, and we're going to brush up and study up on the top five, top 10, uh, see how, how many picks the Canadians collect and talk about the draft as a whole. Uh, and I, I'm going to ask all of their opinions because there weren't that many picks that panned out. And, and like you said, Rangers fans aren't huge big fans uh, of, of, of his work. But the Canadians must have some sort of method to, to their madness when they've done this, right? The Le Cavalier thing was interesting because he, he spoke to the media for, well, I, I want to say it was like 45, 50 minutes, which was quite a long time for a Zoom conference in which he was clearly holding the phone in front of his face. It must not have been super comfortable, but he was very open and he was very detailed in what he was talking about. And essentially, you said his role would be wherever the Canadians need me. Like, do they want me to help out with players? Whether they want me to speak to a player, kind of like a, a sounding board. Do they want me to watch uh, a player in particular as a pro scout if they want? Do they want my opinion in terms of player development? It looked very much, uh, it looks like a, a sort of a jack of all trades kind of consultant role. And I think that kind of serves two purposes is that one, it allows Vinny to sort of get comfortable with different aspects of management and find which one he shines at. And two, right now he's living in Tampa and he said he can't leave Tampa. I'm assuming it's because of his kids or, or, or his spouse or something like for business interest in Tampa right now. So he can't physically be in Montreal. So and he said that if he were to take on a role like like Darsh, for example, who's in Tampa, like he would have to be here full time and be very hands on and hardworking. So he's hoping to build into a management role such as that later on. But right now he said, like, I'll be wherever the team needs me, like whatever they want my opinion on, I'll give it, whether it's scouting, whether it's. Uh, player development whether it's literally talking to a player who maybe might not feel too comfortable going to the general manager if they have an issue or something like that I can be an intermediary so he mentioned a lot of things um and he said that he'd been watching the Canadians a lot and he he, he said he had a lot of faith in Mar Marty um and uh and that was that was uh, you know they're 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 best friends and and so I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for Brad Richards to join the Canadians front office, office staff at some point soon uh because they were inseparable but um, it's like you said as well. The other point that you brought up was the diversity. And I think there's a little bit of a challenge here because they already have a vision for what they want. And unfortunately, whenever any kind of industry or organization wants to increase diversity, a lot of times because of all the barriers, the historic barriers there have been for women, people of color um, and all of that, there won't be somebody that you know can do the job because those people haven't been allowed to do the job. So, you know, when you're surrounding yourself with, with people like right now, everybody in hockey or not everybody, most people in hockey kind of follow the same kind of demographic. So you really have to work really hard to look for the capable people, because if you're trying to think of just the people you surround yourself with and, there's nothing really wrong with that. A lot of people are criticizing the hires right now as like, oh, Jeff Gordon hired his friend, which he debunked in the first introductory press conference. He just, Kent Hughes was somebody whose hockey mind he thought highly of, right? Obviously, Kent Hughes and Marty are friends. Kent Hughes and, and Vinny LeCavalier are friends. But it's not always going to be a situation like that. It's just, it, it just so happens that in this particular situation, Kent Hughes wanted to think outside the box and brought in these two rookies to front office positions. But I think at the same time, with the diversity thing, you can't just hire a person of color or a woman just for the sake of hiring a person of color or a woman. 
or a black person to a management position. You really have to vet candidates and put somebody there in a position to succeed because that person now has the added pressure of having to succeed because you know what happens is as soon as that person makes one wrong move, it'll be like, oh, all women can't manage. All women can't be AGMs, right? The second a single one makes a mistake, it, 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 like they have that pressure and they don't choose it but people put that responsibility on them. So the Canadians have to be really careful. They have to vet every candidate very carefully. But what I hope is that that's what they're doing and not just saying, paying lip service to diversity and then saying, actually, um, these are the people we want to hire and we're going to hire them anyway. Because that's also an experience that I can tell you many people will have is that they will get called in for the interviews. There'll always be a diverse pool. And then the person who gets hired is the same person that, or the same demographic as the manager, because they remind the manager or the hiring person of themselves. Right. So there's gotta be like, I think they have to be thorough. I think they have to be careful, but I think they have to hire or start vetting and interviewing as many candidates as possible in order to find the best person in that pool. Like, I, I think that it's very dangerous to try and hire uh, just for diversity's sake, because that's just tokenism. It's not, it's, it's not a good strategy. It's not a viable strategy. But that is also, I think you have to kind of keep in mind that there are a lot of people that are capable and deserving to be in those positions and the Canadians have to go out and look for them. No matter how hard it may be, the Canadians have to take that step. They have to go out and they have to look for these people. They have to interview them, speak to them, present their vision or have those people present their own vision and, 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 and sort of diversify the front office. Because I think that, you know, the Canucks are able to do it. I feel like a flagship organization, a flagship team like the Canadians, a, fra a flagship franchise has to be able to do that as well. I, I agree with that and that you can't just hire to hire and say that we did this, you know, you, like you said, make the right choice that's best for this team. And one, like the hiring of Chantal McAbee was phenomenal. She is by far probably the most qualified person in the market for the role that she is in. And since she's taken over, the team is more transparent. We're getting more regular updates on things like injuries from the AHL and the NHL, which is great for me covering that for eyes on the prize. And I'm hoping that their next hire is of, is of the same quality of that. And I, I have right now the faith and optimism that they're going to do that because so far, since Jeff Gordon, since Ken Hughes have come in, they've been very transparent about what they want to do. And I think that's a big key with this organization is transparency. And I have one last thought before we go into our final segment on Vincent LeCavalier being hired is he's in a similar role to what Danny Briere was after he retired, uh, after playing in Colorado, in that Briere was a special assistant to, I believe at the time, oh God, who was, he was, it wasn't Ron Hextall. Was it? No. I don't know. It was, it was one of the prior Philly Fletcher? GM. No, Fletcher's there now. I, whoever was in between there might've been Ron Hextall. I can't remember. There's been a lot of Flyers GMs. So I, it wasn't, it wasn't the really bad one, but it might've been one of the not good ones, which I know doesn't narrow it down much. So our friends at Locked on <laughs> Flyers can, uh, can definitely tell us otherwise. So but I think that's very similar to this. And then Briere went on to manage the ECHL team in Maine and now is back within that organization doing that. So I'm very curious to see what's next for Vincent LeCavalier. But I do know what is next for us here on Lockdown Canadians. It is Monday, and that means it is time for three up and three down. It is one of our favorite segments of the week. But first, we did mention this show is brought to you by Bet Online. And football season is over, but basketball is in full swing with both pro and college hoops going on. 
and for all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, and to where to fi- the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to, well, they just wrapped up their Olympic coverage and information. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Was so, it Paul Holmgren? <laughs> yes, that's the one. That's the guy. Thank you. I knew, it, at least I think it was. If it's not, please tell me I was wrong, but be nice about it. It's Monday. No one needs that negativity in their lives. It is Monday. That means it is time for three up and three down. And because we are in a very good mood, we're going to start with our three downs this week. And my first one, because we haven't had a full chance to talk about this, goes to USA Hockey. And basically how they handled the Olympics, the men's side, whatever, it is what it is. But the women's side, their starting goaltender, who played most of the tournament over Nicole Hensley, who is a very qualified goaltender in her own right and is very good. I believe she played here in Buffalo, if I'm not much mistaken. They started a goalie who had a torn MCL, wasn't sure she'd be able to play, wasn't able to skate until the 4th of February, and then played most of the games on of likely a not 100% knee. The coach is not one who is very popular with the women's hockey community. I admittedly don't know as much as I should. And talking to Jared Bookadise on the prize and some of the other folks around women's hockey is that the general consensus is the women's program in the U.S. is succeeding in spite of the coaching, not due to it. And that speaks, I think, to the talent of the women on that team. The gold medal game between Canada and the United States was once again phenomenal. I highly recommend you go check it out. I stayed up till 1.30 in the morning to watch the United States lose again, sadly, but I don't regret it at all. <laughs> Briefly, Poulin is an absolute demigod on the ice. It is incredible the things that she is able to do. There's no shame in losing to a group like Team Canada who might have their best group ever on the ice right now, and they're only getting better. I look forward to watching these two countries play at the under 18 tournament at the world championships. And when the next Olympics roll around, it's always a good time, but a big thumbs down for me to the way USA hockey has handled the women's program. A lot like they've handled the women's soccer program in that it's, it's not where it needs to be despite all the talent that is there. I just want to say something like objectively like you, I I don't have that much inside knowledge of the USA coaching staff, but they literally there they thought that there was no point in practicing special teams before the olympics started or while they were there so that's one decision the other thing was the <laughs> the goal the goalie that they started um i mean they had Maddie Rooney who's perfectly capable of stop stopping a puck as well i mean it, it just in my head you know those those choices but how do you not practice special teams against a team like canada like i i i don't understand like how do you it's mystifying. It's not a hundred percent of your game, right? But there are goals that are allowed and scored in those moments that define games. Sometimes, like it just blows my mind that, like, you just you don't practice it. Like that blew my mind. But that, like, that's a series of decisions that they make. Who they choose to be general managers, how they pick their teams in the men's side as well. Um, I have a lot of questions about USA hockey, but I'm glad that they're remaining unanswered right now because obviously I am a Team Canada fan. <laughs> Um, I only have a second down for this week. I don't actually think I have a third down because I'm in a very good mood watching the Canadians play hockey. My second down of the week isn't even related to the Habs. It goes to Brad Marchand, 
who (laughs) – so, one, he was suspended for six games for punching and high-sticking Tristan Jari, which, okay, fine, Brad Marchand threw temper tantrum. Shocking. He appealed it, and then when he was told to explain his actions, he went, I lost my temper when Jari made a save, looked over me, and said, how about that effing save? And then I hit him. And my thought is, Brad Marchand – who Artemi Panarin was suspended for a game for throwing his glove at Brad Marchand when Brad Marchand made fun of him not being able to go back to Russia because of his anti-Putin stances. Brad Marchand, who chirps anybody about anything and is ruthless with it, couldn't stand to hear a goalie celebrate a save he made in his face, so much so that he got suspended for six games and punched that goalie in the face. And all I have to say is I hope somebody sends Brad a nice large pack of Depends so he can go and fill his (laughs) diaper whenever he wants. That's embarrassing. If I was a Bruins fan, I would be livid that a guy who is supposed to be a leader and a star on this team got so mad over something so harmless that he got suspended for six games. What are we even doing here? Come on. And it's like he's such a hypocrite too, I like I, I could just think of like one of the biggest things I can think of with Brad Marchand is Brayden Holtby in the playoffs a few years ago uh, when he was on the Caps. Brad Marchand was getting in his face and he was just like staring at him stone faced. Do you think Brad Marchand wasn't saying anything when he was trying to get his attention? Do you think he was just standing there behaving? No, he was trying to get in his face and God knows what he was saying. So like it's so hypocritical. You lose your temper. The whole point is everybody gets angry. We all do. We're human. The whole point is you're not supposed to punch people. What you do with that anger is not punch somebody <laughs> in the back gonna... of the head. Yeah, like, come on. Like, it's it's embarrassing. And enough about the Bruins being hypocritical because <laughs> that just that's part of their team motto is, you know, anyways. I, I think we have three ups this week and we have a lot. And for the first time, it was actually hard to think of everyone to fit in the up list this week. And I think, number one, Laura, you and I will both agree with this. It is... Our favorite tiny small goals boy, Cole Caulfield, is my first up of the week. Martin St. Louis has brought, I'm not going to say brought his career from the brink because he's a child <laughs> still, but he is an entirely. Has brought his rookie year back from That's, total waste. Yes. How about that? He looks phenomenal out there. He He's, he's everywhere. He commands the puck right now. And he didn't score against the Islanders, but he had a filthy shootout goal. He had obviously the game tying goal and the game winning goal. I feel like those should count. I think the game winning shootout goal, I thought it did. And I don't know if they changed that or not. I don't think it counts in your yearly total or your career total, which it counts as the game winning goal for the game, though, for like purposes of I, it's the NHL. Nothing makes sense. So, but anyway, sorry for interrupting you. That can be our third down. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. The NHL, just in general, like always, I feel like is just a lingering down somewhere on there. But Cole Caulfield looks incredible. He looks great. And I think if this season's in the toilet, which it is, he can be that bright, shiny spot along the toilet there that is Cole, that is his season. <laughs> he's coming back well. He looks like he's enjoying hockey again. He just looks entirely different. And he's that little cleaning gel thing that you can you can stamp on the toilet. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Uh, and I, my second up this week, and we haven't had him in the ups at all this year, but in the last couple games, Jeff Petrie looks a lot more like himself again. It is really Doesn't nice. Doesn't it to feel see- good to say that? It does. I mean, he has goals in, I believe, 
back-to-back games now? No, he scored against Buffalo, and he got a goal. No, he rang one off the post against the Blues, and then he scored against the Islanders on the, to open the scoring there. He looks a lot more like himself. The possession metrics still kind of vary. I think he got a lot of the Islanders' top six in that game, but he looks like himself offensively and with the puck again. And I don't know if it's just a confidence thing. Maybe he said, just had a real long chat with Martin St. Louis about everything that's going on. And he's just back to looking like Jeff Petrie again, whether he's here past the deadline, I don't know, but I'm glad we're not sending him out on a sour note in that he's going to be going out at least on a strong run of play. If he is leaving, it's really hard to not, at least for me to not be happy to see Jeff Petrie playing well after he's, one, he was kind of unfairly maligned when he wasn't the number one defenseman. And then this year, it's just everything that happened got dumped on him and other players. It, it's tough. It, no one no one person, I think, could have shouldered this burden this season for the Habs. Absolutely. I agree. I'm, I'm glad that he's playing better. Uh, I'm not, you know, I, I would like to see some consistency before we call it. But if he does stay, if the Canadians don't find a good enough trading partner, I'm not going to be that disappointed because it looks like he's capable of getting his game back if the right things align so then it's going to be up to the canadians to figure out what does align and my last up of the week goes to one andrew hammond in his iowa wild pads it's here's the thing (laughs) i hated playing the hamburglar when he was in ottawa because it sucked because the habs were in the playoff chase still ottawa senators were coming off that 2013 season where they were the pesky sends and there was that playoff series that everybody hated it's it, or that was 2015. Anyways, the Sens were annoying for a really long time, and that hasn't really <laughs> They've changed. always been annoying. Obviously, that hasn't changed much, but it was really nice to see him get that win his first in four years. Big fist pump after he stopped the last shootout, uh, the shootout attempt against the Islanders. I don't think he's going to be like that every game, but you know what? If you're ever going to win, you might as well win your first one like that, right? Absolutely. And, it, you know, if it wasn't going to be him, I was going to say, hey, guys, it's Josh, but that game – I think he really does deserve it. Yes. That career arc, I guess he does deserve it. And as always, share three up and three down with us in the comments on YouTube or tweet us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick and myself at Scott Matla. We'll be back with another episode on Tuesday. And thank you as always for making Locked On Canadians your first listen of the day. We have so much more coming up this week. We're going to have a recap of the Leafs game and everything else coming up for Tuesday. Now make sure your second listen of the day is Locked On Fantasy Hockey, where Steel Roden and Phil and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy hockey league. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.